This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got a couple of great uh, guests today. Ted Malik will join us uh, with a message. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt Malik. He's got two columns up at American Greatness. We'll talk with him. He is prolific. And Cheryl Chumley, one of my favorite guests on the program, Cheryl Chumley. Uh, she's a new guest in the last maybe three or four months. She'll come on. She's at the Washington Times, Washington Times, and she's a great writer. She's written a number of books and all, but she's also very fun on the radio, has a podcast, and we'll talk with her. But first, what you need to know today is Fauci retires. Just before um, Thanksgiving, in what is a dead time in terms of news, where most of the news, uh, professional news people or maybe old fashioned or old school or whatever uh, news professionals, they're on vacation. They're out. They're not doing much. It's a light time. So Fauci is sneaking out under the cover of Thanksgiving, under the cover of turkeys, and he's retiring. He turns 82 years old in a few weeks and he just says it's time to go. He has said uh, when he went to the podium, so he went to the White House for one last round at the podium and, uh, you know, he uh, he is being lauded by all the media and all that. Um, he did say during one, uh, his remarks that he would be happy, happy, so happy to participate with the Republicans who are going to investigate everything from his patent money that he's made uh, to how he runs the, the department, et cetera, et cetera. He said he's happy to have that. I believe it when I see it. Uh, once you're not on the payroll of the uh, federal government, I think you're probably going to try to do everything you can to say, hey, I'm not bothering. And ultimately, he's doing it right in the sense that I wish he would be accountable and be questioned. But if you want to escape that, you retire and then you just ask uh, elected officials just to lay off. You're older. You know, you want to go on and have a life, whatever. And it will work because people will leave him alone, which is too bad. There's a lot to get to the bottom of. But in the midst of the coverage of Fauci, he said, of course, get vaccinated, everybody, get your booster and all that. And in the midst of the coverage, whether it was the New York Times or Politico, there were articles about how there is more money, hundreds of millions of dollars being spent and sent out into the community. I think $350 million is what the Biden administration announced that they will send to community health centers, community health centers. Uh, they also scrounged up another $80 million for, I think, nursing homes, uh, not just for vaccines. That's not something, no, for training, for training, education. Uh, you know, it's 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 mind boggling. It's numbing to realize how much money we have transferred from the federal government out to people who are in the covid industrial complex. The number of people who are training others who are managing the dispensing of PPP. Uh, is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Protective uh, gear, whatever it is. Uh, vaccines, vaccine production, vaccine implementation, vaccine record keeping. You can go on and on and on. And the common denominator is that the federal government has had to mostly print money, but has to, has has given money hundreds and hundreds of billions. That's serious. Hundreds of billions over the last few years. And the transfer is to whom? It's to hospitals. It's to uh, pharma. But it's a lot of it. I can't say largely because the big numbers are to hospitals and the big numbers are to healthcare providers uh, and, and pharma, but, but hundreds and hundreds of millions, and I'd say it's billions too, but I don't know the number. I, again, I don't know if we'll ever know. Goes to entities that hire people that subscribe to 
the center left worldview or say it more clearly. If you get your paycheck from a government grant, you're going to be disposed to like the government. And what you need to know is the covid reset that people are complaining about this and that and the other thing, all kinds of things. Some things are positive. A a reset on understanding our education system, good. A reset on understanding the uh, value of remote working, fine. But one of the resets was a massive increase in the transfer of wealth to people who are now beholden to the government and therefore tending to be participating in our... uh, day-to-day life, our national life as supporters of the government and government stuff. It's different than WPA back in the Depression, seems to me, where people had a job and they worked one week and some jobs, there weren't enough jobs, so they'd have two men, you'd have one man work one week, one work the next week, the other back to the first one for the third week, back to the first, second one for the fourth week as a split job in order to give people uh, uh, something to do to get their um, coverage of their uh, uh, family to pay their bills. Now the transfer of wealth has gone to people who don't actually have to do anything specifically. They don't have to do anything specifically in order to receive their benefits. And so you have this creating, you're creating this, uh, what you need to know is we're creating this massive sort of set of relationships that have to do with work sort of, and have to do with wealth transfer a lot that are re- reliant on the COVID thing. And what, again, what, when history is written, I hope it's written and we'll explain how massive this is. Because what you need to know is it's changed the whole of America. It's not just Nancy Pelosi giving lots of money to the teachers unions. That happened too. It's the creation of dependency and relationship on the federal government's money going out to so many people, especially for COVID. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, Ted Malik, everybody. That's what you need to know. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Got to catch up with our old friend, uh, the prolific writer, I can say now. Well, prolific column writer because he's written books after book after book and lectured on both sides of the Atlantic, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Ted Malik is now uh, regularly. And in fact, he caught got ahead of me. I had one column I wanted to talk to him about. And now he's got a second one out uh, faster than that. So Ted Malik is our guest. And he uh, over at American Greatness, the newer one that's out is Economic Realities, Economic realities and the new american economy uh welcome back ted malik how are you sir um well i guess uh history is moving at a pace <laughs> faster than we can do at least i can do it so all right before we get to economic realities let me go back one column because you did preview this on our, our program last week trump's petard yeah, it's gotten a lot of attention yeah, yeah. Trump, mm. trump's petard now here's the thing Ted Malik, Theodore Roosevelt Malik, for, I don't know, five, seven, eight years has been a I don't know about a Trump whisperer, but he's been someone who has captured Trump's what Trump is about. He wrote a whole book uh, on uh, Trump's world, um, which is out uh, and um, he, Trump reads his stuff. I know that the president, former president reads his stuff. So Trump's petard. Will Donald Trump's story be a tragedy, a comedy or a Republican tale for the ages? A little bit mixed. On this one, Ted, what did you hear from anybody close to Trump, whether he's worried that you're sounding alarm bells? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are um, anxious, cautious, waiting, 
uh, some even dubious. So mine is uh, an ambivalent article. I and mean, obviously I say very positive things about Trump. I did in 2015, comparing him to Theodore Roosevelt and the coming of uh, the American century. And I still believe he has those ideas and charisma, but uh, some of it has faded. Some of the lack, uh, some of the luster is gone. And I, you know, the, the critics on the left are still the same and after him yet again with another special counsel. But uh, I think there are some people in his council now that are beginning to say, well, maybe we should pass the baton uh, or maybe you've done all you can do or you could be a kingmaker or I mean, there are people wrongly saying that he lost the election. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, uh, <laughs> well, Trump's always on the first or second page of the newspaper. How We're talking with Ted Malik. How would he do that? I mean, how could he do it? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? How could, after all this time, I mean, Donald Trump hasn't been shy to have, quote, unquote, failure. He, you know, if you get a bankruptcy, you use a bankruptcy law and you succeed again, right? If you get married and it doesn't work out, he's, he gets, he, so he's not afraid of risk taking, but practically, how could he or would he pull back? Well, I, I, I basically don't think he's capable of doing that. I talk about the two <laughs> things I right. I, um, I saw as flaws in Trump at the beginning, and they remain flaws. Uh, one is his lack of humility. He just can't stoop to the act. Uh, the second more dangerous one is the kind of arrogance that has to do with uh, a vice called hubris. And, uh, yeah, no, if you have too much of that, then you get for like all of the Greek, the Greek tragedies into a great deal of trouble. And uh, some people have called Trump now a uh, kind of tragic hero. So how would that happen? I mean, it's brutal. He would lose the primary elections and he'd fall back. I see. Oh, I see. Uh, you're, 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 I meant I meant there was no there's no you don't think there's a way where he gives a speech and says, you know what? I've thought about it. I've looked at it. It's time to do something different. I think yeah, you, don't think, yeah. you don't think that's possible now. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he's LBJ or Nixon. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I doubt that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ted Mouch, our guest. Now, this piece, I should give a plug. Uh, your co-author, Nicholas Capaldi, is on this one. Uh, the economic yeah. realities and new American economy. Um, there is little in the way of economic statistics or real world deliverables associated with what Samuel Gregg calls a new economy. So this is this is uh, basically you're breaking down this Samuel Gregg uh, book. The next American economy um, is it, 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 what I want to know is how do we get through this moment? I don't know what people think the next thing is. We're we're in the throes of something really rotten now. Yeah, no, and it's, it's going to get worse. I've been saying that. And these the scandals, uh, the, the latest one, uh, you know, even more evidence of the rot and the decay. Uh, you know, our, let's say, book review, if you want to use the junior yeah. high school term, of this book, which has come out, is basically the latest laissez-faire, same old, uh, same old, you know, uh, uh, conservative libertarian view of the market will solve everything. And uh, Sam Gregg is a, is a great fellow. He's a scholar and, and uh, a gentleman. I mean, he's written Nick and I off as friends because we made the mistake, he would say, of backing Brexit and following or backing Trump. Right. Uh, and he's a never Trumper. But I mean, basically, uh, these libertarians um, and, and their ideologues is, is really what we're saying. They're not basing any of their thinking um, in uh, in an economic reality of no business experience, 
And we would end up with, which is really the path we're on, shipping all of our jobs overseas, giving the Chinese and the big tech control of our lives. And what would we have? We'd have a laissez-faire theory to live off of. Well, and that's the uh, that, that's the thing on this is uh, that, that you bring up the libertarian conservative thing that they, they think somehow it will all equal out that if the markets are left to go, it'll all sort of end up being good. It, it, practically, well, it hasn't it, for yeah. 30 years. No. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and it, we, and, we've lost jobs. We've lost economic wherewithal, GDP. And, you know, where has all that gone? It's It's, it's gone largely to China, but to other countries as well. Dumping, intellectual property theft, manipulation of currency. I mean, just forget all of that. This We're not playing in an economy of fair actors. Right. You know, exactly. with some kind of Smithian model theory of uh, of, uh, of equals. This, this is not the situation we live in. Well, and and also the, the and and the the fact is that whatever the um, whoever is uh, whatever authority is in charge dominates in favor of their preference. It doesn't it doesn't stay neutral. It's like a little bit like over the over the weekend when the news came out that there was a some sort of special agreement of this climate change climate boondoggle. And, and there's a slush fund. And of course, the Americans said, we'll put in money. Biden said, we'll put in money. And the Chinese said, yeah, we won't put in money. We're not gonna put in money. We like the slush fund, though. We we like it. Well, I- I- these people assume that the other side will somehow be full of uh, a fair play and rule of law and and totally naive. And of course, something Trump called out uh, others as well, but Trump formally, and we had a better policy going when he was in power. Now we, I, I think, you know, obviously Biden is in cahoots with the Chinese, probably has been paid off by them, but we have a different, uh, you know, set of realities. Not good for the American economy, not good for the middle class, not good for people that actually work for a living. Uh, turning this back to uh, to what we started the conversation again, our guest is Ted Malik, and he's got two recent columns over at American Greatness uh, and Greatness dot com. If the economy stays the way it is, and, and meaning it's pretty rotten and stalled, and we see more and more of, of China on the march, I did an interview with uh, Cheryl Chumley, the Washington uh, uh, Times editorial page editor or online editor, and, and I was sort of needling her saying, on your podcast in the last four episodes, two are about China. You know, you're clearly, and she said, yeah, I mean, here's the threat. This is the real threat of China. If we if we keep going the way we're going, um, economy-wise, and China's on the March and all, doesn't it make it almost impossible for a Republican to lose in 2024? Absent, I guess, the uh, typical vote gathering or whatever, feels like that would be the direction. Well, feels like and and coming to reality, sometimes two different things. There was no red wave in what we all expected just a few weeks ago. So it very much depends on who the candidate is, what the set of policies are. Uh, and we're really combating, you know, three other forces, not just the Democratic Party. We're combating the media with all of its malpractice. We're combating, uh, you know, all of the uh, deep state, which is entrenched and going to be against more or less any Republican uh, uh, candidate and any foreign influence, which likes a weak America and a weak American presidency. So it's it's not just candidate to candidate. 
It's um, it, yeah. And I think, uh, but I guess my point is that um, if you live, if you um, end up with two candidates to pick, if it's Biden and Trump again, it's, it's going to lean, mm. <laughs> it's going to lean fairly dramatically uh, uh, I think uh, against, uh, against Biden. But again, you know, it should have been in this, uh, this previous election uh, you know, this midterm election also. Um, all right, uh, Ted, what's coming up next? You're always giving us a preview of what's next. Well, I did publish that uh, article on economic reality a little early, so that that's my next thing. I am writing on the deep roots of our financial crisis, so I may have something on that plane in uh, another week or so. All right. Well, as always, and this uh, will look at the FTX, uh, you know, oh, situation, right? Which right. is just, I mean, it, 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 it's it's like a story out of hell. Well, if I can point to a thread that I have yet to see addressed, I sent an email to a, a journalist asking, I want to know if the FTX money went to like the Mark Elias fortification of the elections. You know, there wasn't we haven't figured out yet if there were Zuckerbucks this time, I guess. Uh, but I wonder if there's yeah. FTX dollars uh, in the mix. So, all right. Ted I Malik. think there you can more or less guarantee that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Ted Malik, thank you as always. And uh, thank you uh, for all you do for us. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you and all of our listeners. Thanks. All right. We will take a break, and I'll put all that up on social media, those two pieces that are out recently, and uh, we've got a lot more. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It was a couple months ago, I don't know, six months ago, I discovered uh, Cheryl Chumley as a guest on the program. She is uh, over at the Washington Times. She's an editor there and writes a column uh, and she's written books and all kinds of things and she's great on the radio and I thought let's catch up with Cheryl Chumley. I haven't talked to her in a while. Her website is CherylChumley.com where there's a lot of writing there. In fact, there's a, a piece over there that I was just telling her off the air I was going to start off on. And so, But first, welcome back, Cheryl. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be with you again. Well, it's nice to be with you. So this piece I noticed, it's almost, a, I guess it's three weeks old. Transgender enablers are cruel, wicked, and even criminal. I want to focus, focus on that first adjective. It, one of the things about this is it just feels like these people that are advocating for transgenderism, like the people that are saying it's okay and all, it feels mean. It, I, I think it's probably wicked. It might be criminal. Maybe we should make it criminal, but it just feels like mean, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know, if you're an adult and if you're a parent and you're advocating your child, your minor age child, who in most states in America now isn't even allowed to go buy a pack of cigarettes right. without showing ID, right? right? But advocating for your child to do these life altering medical, uh, chemical uh, 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 things to their bodies and change the shape of who God made them to be. It's awful. It's cruel. You're stealing your child's choice. And usually at some point in time, we're finding out studies and research show that there is a lot of regret that transgenders suffer because of the choices they made when they weren't uh, mature enough to actually make these choices. 
We're talking with Cheryl Chumley, her website, CherylChumley.com. I'm looking at this uh, essay that she wrote there, commentary, uh, transgender enablers are cruel, wicked, and even criminal. It, it kind of it kind of strikes me, you know, when you're, an, when you're an adult, I'm still stunned to discover I'm an adult and then also a, a father. And you, you catch yourself in moments, you feel you still feel like you're, you know, whatever age or you just, you know, you don't, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you perfect just because you happen to get older. I mean, hopefully it makes you more mature and you can recognize what's happening and your impulses and all. Uh, but there's moments where you feel like, you know, especially like on major, in fact, in fact, this is good, major holidays. Sometimes you go to Thanksgiving and you're like, I'm a 50 plus year old man and I feel like I'm 15 with my brother and my sister and right. So, but there's a part of this where we all have our problems and our failings and it feels like the transgender back i'm still stuck on mean it it's like people are like the worst of your own brokenness you're projecting onto onto kids and the funny thing not the funny the terribly strange thing insane is that there's not more people saying you shouldn't do that like if your next door neighbor was out let's be serious for a second if your next door neighbor i love my dogs i have two dogs if my next door neighbor was out beating his dog I would go over and be like, hey, Jack, that's not cool. Don't beat your dog. Like, yeah, that is not cool, Jack. Right. And yet we want we stand by and it's like a sort of part. Of, well, I that's uh, the one area parental rights extends to sort of carte blanche is in this case is is this doing this to kids. Yeah, there's been it's due in large part to this cultural shift we've had in this country where uh, Christians, for instance, a large segment of the Christian community has fallen into the deception, into believing the deception that Jesus is love. And so that means that anything and everything humans do have to be embraced and tolerated and even welcomed, because if you're following Jesus's teaching, you have to love. And we've kind of corrupted the meaning of of love to mean automatic acceptance. And if you think about it, that's very wicked in itself because love, uh, it carries some truth too. And if, say if you're a parent and your child wants to do something, uh, take drugs or, uh, you know, engage in sexual acts or something like that before his or her time of maturity and marriage, you as a parent are supposed to tell the, your child the truths about the consequences of those actions. That is love. When you also, uh, you love your child, you love another human being, but you're also truthful. And we've gotten to the point in this country where truth has no real partnership with love anymore. If you suggest such, then you are the one who is intolerant. It's that's right, and 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 that's interesting. The connection because uh, again, we're, Cheryl Chumley and and her writings and and uh, are over at CherylChumley.com. You can link through to all her different stuff. I was I'm looking right now. I'm going to actually ask you about your podcast. Uh, it's called Bold and Blunt, um, which is over at the Washington Times, where she is the online opinion editor. Um, that's right. And and my thing on that love wins thing, love wins, right? Love wins. It's like wait, what does that mean? Like what? If that and that's and that's the sort of that's the sort of um, that's the hallmark card version of tolerance which of course in a history where you say oh for a couple hundred years or whatever number people were not good to people with darker skin or good to a man good to women then you need to be more tolerant of where people come from okay i might but somehow we've turned it into a, a a god and i think that's exactly right that 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 shift um but it is again cheryl you, you know you're you got a few years on me in terms of observing that the speed with which the transgender it took a long time time, pardon me, for a lot of people 
to come around and, and to the gay rights movement. And then all of a sudden we got marriage like a, 10 minutes later. And, you, you know, all that happened too fast to me. It's all confused, all of it. But the transgender thing, it's happened in like three minutes, how fast it's come. And that we're not having like a total pushback is still sort of confusing to me. Yeah, it, I mean, it's happened with astonishing speed, right? It just yeah. seemed like we blinked, and all of a sudden, to call out the transgender movement as cruel to children, or to call it out as a lie based on deception, uh, or to call it out as uh, outward shows of abnormalities going on in that individual's mind, that has become the, the non-starter. We're supposed to quiet down and stifle those viewpoints. And uh, look, we we have to get back in this country to the point where those who know better aren't afraid of calling out the evils that are just steamrolling through society because pretty soon we're going to be uh, a society where men uh, believe they can become women just by donning a dress. Little boys go into uh, little girls' locker rooms and changing rooms just because they declare themselves to be a girl. And that's that's just the precursor to the even worse uh LGBTQ agenda, which is the medical treatments and the, right. the chemical treatments that go along with that, that just really it's child abuse when you think about it. We're talking again uh, with Cheryl Chumley. Cheryl Chumley.com is her website where you can link through to her stuff. I was just looking. I love uh, reading your things because you say things, uh, serious things that need to be said and then also kind of make me think. One is um, a couple days ago you were uh, you had a post on Carrie Lake who lost technically sort of and Trump as a as a as a uh, as a, a team running for president, vice president. But I don't even want to talk about that because there's a million things I would talk about I, when I went over <laughs> and was looking at your podcast. So you have a podcast. I mentioned it before. And I look in there and I noticed that in the last I'm not a Cheryl Chumley stalker either, by the way. I just like her what she writes and thinks. So but here's in the last four podcasts, two of them totally on China. Totally on China. And so because you comment a lot on, on the wokeness and on silliness and on how people are, are saying one thing and meaning something else, all this kind of, you know, uh, but two times on China, I didn't listen to all of them. I listened to the latter one, the one that more recent uh, from like, I think, November 17th, uh, about half of it. What's the story here? I mean, I, and I see I feel it, too. The China problem yeah. is massive. Um, but you when you when you chew on when you grab a bone twice in four podcasts, you're seeing something. Yeah, well, I mean, we're yawning on China still. And my, my two podcast um, guests were Mike Hewitt, who is a, a yeah. re retired rear admiral, and he spoke on the One Belt, One Road initiative that China has. And the other guest on China was Gordon Chang, which everybody yeah. knows him. Everybody and knows expertise. him, yeah. Yep. Uh, but, but look, it's not just, uh, you know, the economic aspect of China taking over and, and assuming America's debt and putting us in a bind financially. It's the cultural Marxism that China is doing seeping into America. At the same time, China is spreading its tentacles into other countries around the world. So America recedes on the public stage. At the same time, China grows. And it's not going to be long before China just completely dominates. Is the go-to country where everybody in the world looks. What's China doing? Where that should be us. What's America doing? And it's not just me or you, Ed, saying this. It's the experts who know firsthand about how China works. And it's just this clanging 12th hour gong that we in America really need to reel back China's influence and start taking decided aggressive steps to boot 
their influences from America. Well, uh, Cheryl Chumley is our guest. Uh, Cheryl, a couple minutes ago, as I was getting ready to talk to you, uh, my friend Adam Anjevsky, who runs Open the Books, uh, the the transparency deal, sent out an email saying that they had done some, you know, he's always doing these uh, FOIA requests. And, and he has this uh, proof that 160 Chinese-born scientists who worked at uh, Los Alamos National Laboratory are back home in China and working. And, and so his point is, you know, what is this? Like we, we pay to have them train and do research. Then they go back there. My, my point here is somehow we had the imagination to uh, uh, imagine that Boris was behind every uh, phone booth in the Cold War with the Soviets. But we don't have the imagination that somehow uh, that the, the Chinese regime, which has, I think, in many ways, more money, more um, willingness than the Soviets. The Soviets at least sent Boris in and you were like, huh, guy's got an accent. Let's figure that out. Or they bribed somebody. The, the, the Chinese, they're taking advantage of us. Hundreds of thousands of students in our schools. You don't come to America from China as a student because you're really gifted. You may be gifted, but you're part of the system, right? So we, we don't have the imagination, Americans, to see what's happening. I think part of the problem there, and I mean, you nail it right there, but I think also part of the problem is Republicans a couple decades ago bought into the idea that if they only opened doors to doing economies with China, business with yeah. China, that China right. would naturally move more free market. Right. Well, that's not <laughs> happened. And there are so many Republicans right now in Congress, in, in key positions of power in America, in the corporate world, who still either either believe that or are so in-depth, in, so ingrained with China now that they can't separate. So there, there's a big difference between, uh, you know, how America viewed Russia during Cold War days and how America mm. is viewing China. And to, to call out what is going on right now in America with China as a Cold War of modern times, as some in Congress have done, uh, Congressman Waltz, for instance, is still something that gets condemned and criticized and labeled as uh, hysterical. Well, and that's, of course, as you're saying, it's because you follow the money and the money, uh, the money wants to the action and the and the uh, and the markets. And um, all right, Cheryl Chumley, I've got to go. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. Cheryl Chumley, everybody over at The Washington Times, Cheryl Chumley dot com. Uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot. OK, Bye. we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When referring to Republicans, Democrats often talk about how no one is above the law. Yet President Joe Biden has acted unlawfully in letting illegal aliens into America. Biden improperly set aside Trump guidelines that blocked the unlawful border crossings by migrants. Governor Greg Abbott of Texas is doing something about it by busing willing migrants to liberal enclaves like New York City, and he's making a statement with it. Referring to New York City's Mayor Adams, Governor Abbott of Texas pointed out that Adams talked the talk about being a sanctuary city, welcoming illegal immigrants into the Big Apple with warm hospitality. Talk is cheap. When pressed into fulfilling such ill-considered policies, He wants to condemn anyone who is pressing him to walk the walk. Governor Abbott continued, I hope he follows through on his promise of welcoming all migrants with open arms so that our overrun and overwhelmed border towns can find relief. 
Governor Abbott is doing an excellent job of pointing out the hypocrisy of the leftist thought. New York City is flush with wealthy companies, many of the world's richest people, and pompous politicians who promote New York's status as a sanctuary city. Yet it is reportedly straining under the influx of merely a tiny percentage of the illegals whom Joe Biden is allowing to flood Texas, Arizona, and elsewhere. Even the more liberal segments of Texas are hopping aboard the Abbott bus. El Paso, a border city in Texas that prided itself as an Ellis Island of the Southwest, is also fully on board with Governor Abbott. As we marvel at the political adeptness of Governor Abbott at exposing the hypocrisy of left-leaning cities, let's not forget where this whole crisis is coming from in the first place. Neither the people of Texas nor the people of New York should be facing a crisis of illegal immigration. President Joe Biden halted the work on President Trump's border wall, and he repealed Trump's effective Remain in Mexico policy. Joe Biden deserves all the blame for this crisis. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. American citizenship should never be taken lightly. That's why you need to go to phyllisschlafly.com and be part of the dialogue on the need for border security and an accurate census, the travesty of sanctuary cities, and voting rights for illegals. Voice your opinion at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, um, I, I wanted to visit on a topic. I, I want to see if I can point something out. And so um, um, let's see if I can do this. Uh, you know, one of the most powerful things uh, to do is to learn how to write. And even that sentence I messed up. What I, I should say is one of the most powerful things you can do for your professional um, success for your personal clarity, uh, for your, I think, mental strength is not to learn to. That's a sloppy structure. The most, one of the more important things, more valuable things you can do is write. You don't have to learn to write. If you're writing a lot, you will get better at writing. If you are writing a lot, you will learn how to say things better and you'll experience the reaction of people when you write, et cetera, et cetera. And my example to, to tell you about is that what I want to say is if you look right now at uh, today's today's program, we had Ted Malik on Ted Malik. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to guess he's in his mid 70s. He could, he's had a career that spanned about 60 years. So he did start young. He was right out of college when he was sort of a player and, and as both a professor and he had a PhD and all kinds of things, businessman. Uh, our other guest, Cheryl Chumley is the online digital editor at the Washington Times and she's written three or four books, but she writes a column regularly. She almost writes a, a, a sort of blog post that's a column because it's so frequent. And my point here is there, when you write, you get clearer. Your thought is clearer. When you speak to someone who's a writer, they are generally clearer. Another, of course, my famous example that I talk all the time about is uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, my boss, who when she was, I think, 13 or 14 years old, she had a school teacher who assigned her a, a, a assignment was a paragraph a day, every day, 
you'd bring it into school. Well, that sounds really tedious, but if you just have to, the fact is if you have to string together sentences every day, you're going to get better and better at writing. And so Phyllis Schlafly, her whole life was a writer, even in the, in the days as she was uh, uh, dying, she was finishing a column and she, we published a book. I, I co-authored a book with her that we published immediately after her death, the day after actually the date was set long before, um, she died and long before we knew that was the timeline. So, but, so she was extraordinary and she would, she would, what she would do is write things and then she would use the, the, um, essays and the columns and turn them into books, turn them into radio commentaries. Once you become, uh, good with the language, once you can hear and, and see how things sound and, and read, you get better and better at it. So, and my other example are different. So both of those examples, uh, all three of those examples are people who have had long careers in uh, public life. Um, the late Phyllis Schlafly, obviously hers is over. Ted Malik has had experienced this extreme uh, resurgence in my estimation. He'd written a couple of books in the last few years, but now he writes a column almost every week, sometimes twice a week at American Greatness. And it's great. It's extraordinary and valuable. Um, Cheryl Chumley, obviously her job is to be working uh, at the uh, uh, Washington Times and, and writing all the time. And she's written all these books. But my example is Rachel Bovard, who is uh, over at the Conservative uh, Partnership Institute. I always get it wrong. CPI is the organization. Um, and Rachel Bovard, she's been on the program a bunch of times. Rachel is a, um, is a writer. She's a commentator. She does appear on TV a lot and on radio, uh, but she's fundamentally a writer. And she spends her time and she gets really good at it. Um, she, yeah, it's the, uh, it's, uh, the Conservative Partnership Institute, Conservative Partnership Institutes where Mark Meadows and Jim DeMint are. And, uh, she's, uh, I don't know, some sort of policy, uh, person there, but she's written on technology at the Federalist. Um, she's, uh, done a lot of different writing in different places, but she's very, very good. In fact, um, she is really helpful at seeing things clearer. And understanding what's going on. And it's because she's a writer. So she's got a piece in the New York Times about Trump and DeSantis and about what Trump's strengths are and about why those uh, strengths are still present and still real and still a big factor. And she, in writing so clearly on the New York Times, it's amazing the New York Times gave her the space, I think sets the tone, sets the debate. And it's very powerful. And she's young. She's in her 20s, maybe early 30s. I can't even know. I don't even know. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that out loud. Uh, but she's very, very good. And it's in my estimation, it's because she's a writer. She writes. And so my encouragement is we've talked a lot to authors about the books that they write and uh, that we read. I love to read books. I love books. I love books on tape. I love Kindle. I love it all. But I will say what the habit that one has to acquire uh, reading is actually fun. The habit you have to acquire that's hard work is writing. And writing, whether it's a paragraph a day or writing books or writing things that you uh, enjoy, writing letters, um, you have to try to write, write, write. And it's not enough to text. It's not enough to send you know, 22 word uh, sentences on email. You've got to learn to write, write paragraphs, structure things. And that's my encouragement. And the reason why is, first of all, if you're a good writer, uh, you'll succeed because there aren't enough good writers. But my bigger one is I think you get more clarity of your thinking. You get more clarity of your own reading when you read. And I think you get clarity of your uh, self about who you are and what you're about when you're spending your time uh, writing 
and, and writing uh, well. So there you have it. That's my tip. I think I covered it. Uh, as always, I want to say thank you to, uh, I've got to thank a, a different person today. Ryan Haidt is now helping with our, our radio program. Uh, so I want to say thank you to Ryan for his good work on the program. Also, thank you to uh, Gwen Kelly also helping us. Those two are in the St. Louis office of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Uh, and of course, our great producer, uh, Noah, Noah, the Noah Dingley man who has done such a great job on our show and Andrea Kay's show. So thank you uh, to all of you for listening. Thank you to Noah and Ryan and Gwen for their work on the program and for our great guests today, Ted Malik and Cheryl Chumley. Uh, write me a note, get it? Write me a note uh, about what you think anytime uh, you get a chance. And we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego.